Ahoy! Always wanted to do that, just because of the cool little Pewter Report podcast intro we have now. Little pirate theme. Little ahoy, mighty. Arr. I'm Scott Reynolds, and uh, it's Monday, folks. It means it's another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. So welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a big, 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 big show. Lots of news today to cover, and we've got Buck's mandatory minicamp coming up this week. So lots to discuss. We've got some breaking news, kind of. I mean, not like right at this hour, but we've had a lot of kind of little news and tidbits today that are going to excite you and entertain you. And that's that's my job. It's also James Hill's job from Peter Report, my co-host today. On today's Peter Report podcast, energized, as always, by Celsius, the official energy drink of Peter Report. And let's get things kicked off today uh, with uh, with James and I talking Tampa Bay Buccaneers football on a Monday. How about that, James? How are you doing today? Yeah, first off, hey, happy Monday to everybody. Uh, you know, great way to start off the week, right? Talking about some Tampa Bay Buccaneers football. And like you said, Scott, a lot of stuff going on today, like little news, little tidbits here and there, which I think is, you know, pretty interesting. We have a lot to talk about today, but also Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is going to be very busy for us, you know, we're going to be yes. covering the entirety of the mandatory mini camp. Who knows what storylines are going to be going into and coming out of that couple of days there with the Bucks. So, yeah, all in all, it's been a pretty fun day so far. Hopefully, everybody is having a great Monday as well to uh, kick off the week. Looks like it. We got a lot of go Bucks here in the chat, which is awesome. We love you, Peter people. And it's Monday. And you know what that means? It means that at 420 today, we've got this, this thing that uh, we call. Roll call. Where are you Roll at, Peter people? Call. Don't do it now. At 420, we're going to be asking you guys to tell us where you're watching, listening today's program from. And I'll go on a little pewter rant, or maybe it's an orange-colored rant today, because uh, we have some news about the Bucks creamsicle uniforms. That game has been announced. The team teased it over the weekend on social media, but they went ahead and announced that date today, and we'll we'll get to that in just a second. Um James, I don't know if you know this, but when I when I go on the road incognito, whether I'm ordering at a restaurant like for takeout or fast food or I'm checking into a hotel, um, I use the the code name Rodrigo. Oh, um, OK. Yeah, that's kind of my code name. It's inside Peter Report joke. We all have um, names. We have to get one for you, too. Yeah, I think um, Slice is Gustavo. Um, Bailey's is Lorenzo. And uh, I'm wow. Rodrigo. You can call me Hot Rod. Okay. Uh, and the funny thing is, is, is uh, I, I watch a lot of Georgia football. And I've watched Georgia football for a long time. My wife, Ashley, is from Georgia. So the Bulldogs are just as watched as my Kansas State Wildcats are. And Rodrigo Blankenship. I mean, what a hell of a name. I mean, Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, one of my favorite Georgia Bulldog players. Very good college kicker. He's in the news today. For, for the Buccaneers because they're actually bringing him in for a tryout. Now, he was last with the Arizona Cardinals, and before that was with the Indianapolis Colts. We reported on Pewter Report last week, Jake Verity, the kicker that was the only one on the roster until they signed Chase McLaughlin this offseason, who right now is the odds-on favorite to win the job. But they want to have a full-fledged kicking competition, and why wouldn't they? So they're bringing in Rodrigo Blankenship, for a tryout this weekend, James. Yeah, very interesting situation there, Scott. You know, I I actually talked about it here on the Peter Report channel earlier today. They're bringing him in for a 
obviously, like you said, a tryout for this mandatory minicamp. Right now, as it stands, Chase McLaughlin is still the only kicker technically under a full contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they are bringing in some veteran competition. This is something that you know we've been talking about on the Pewter Report podcast, on just the smaller videos that we've been making here at Pewter Report and articles. While one could assume that Chase McLaughlin, you know, definitely has a lot of good momentum in his favor, especially since they moved on from Jake Verity. I don't think that it was a slam dunk that just because they had waived Verity from the team that Chase McLaughlin was going to be this team's kicker. They were still yeah. going to bring in some type of veteran as competition. They have done so with Rodrigo Blankenship. I believe Ian Rappaport had talked about this. He had actually just had surgery yeah. on a torn muscle in his leg back in January. Apparently, this is the first time he's been fully healthy in over a year, which is pretty substantial to, you know, for a kicker, especially, you know, regarding yes. the overall health of your legs and whatnot. So there were multiple teams interested. Blankenship has at least initially right now opted to take an opportunity here with the Bucks in some type of tryout capacity. We'll see if that leads yeah. to a full-time contract. If he looks good in this mandatory mini camp, who knows? He can have a really good day one and they may decide, okay, we'll sign him to a full-time deal, you know, yeah. for a little bit now. They still have that open roster spot from Jake Verity getting waived from the team. So all in all, this should be a pretty interesting competition moving forward now with both these veterans, by the way, both former Colts kickers as well, which is an yeah. interesting thing to note there. It's true. Yeah. Um, listen, Ryan Suckup has done a really good job for this franchise for, for three seasons, even dating back to last year. He just couldn't hit the long field goals. And when you look at, at the scoring, it was down last year. Um, and I'm not going to blame Ryan Suckup for that, but he was pretty rock solid, rock steady for this team for the Super Bowl run. And then, um, you know, the subsequent NFC South championship years for Tampa Bay, but he's 36. They need to get a younger leg in there. And so this makes sense to bring in McLaughlin and also Rodrigo Blankenship. And we'll see if, if he can win the job in, in, in uh, or I should say win a, win a tryout job and then have a chance to win the job in training camp. And we'll see how Rodrigo goes uh, this, this, uh, this week. It's going to be a big week. Uh, we, we weren't, we weren't expecting to talk about kickers during mandatory mini camp, but we are now. So. Yeah, and, and and one thing that's so interesting too is is obviously Ryan Suckup, like you said, Scott, has was really consistent for the Bucks and you know, 40 under territory, maybe even, you know, eke it out a little bit to like say 42, 43 yards. But yeah. obviously the Buccaneers want to have a guy who can extend the range of how they can score points, right? Yeah. If you can get a guy from 45 plus who can kick consistent field goals you know chase mclaughlin was nine of 12 i That's believe right. in the past um in terms of 45 or 50 plus yard field goals things along those lines so it's all about extending that range of how many you know yards back can you score points right with suck up right hey he was really accurate in terms of 40 and under but it was to a certain point it's all yeah. about extending that range some the best kickers in the league right can kick from any type of range, you know, even sure. 45 plus. So it's all about extending that range to be able to put more points up on the board. It's still in a, a field goal league, James. I mean, these, these games come down to three points, two points, one points. That's just how it is. It's, it's still a close competitive league. You have to have a good kicker. I mean, you can go back through the Super Bowls and people say, well, teams that win the Super Bowl have a franchise type quarterback, you know, and that's usually the case. You got some Nick Foles in there, 
some Brad Johnsons, right? You have some guys in there that aren't perennial Pro Bowl players, that aren't franchise guys, that are rewriting the record books, that aren't considered some of the game's greats. But you go back and look at those teams, and they've got damn good kickers, right? I mean, you go back, ask Tom Brady about, about kickers, right? Steven Goskowski and Adam Vinatieri. Those, he won, those two guys won the Super Bowls for the Patriots just as much, sometimes if not more than Tom Brady. Brady has not always shined in the postseason. Uh, his best postseason game, his best Super Bowl, probably in terms of indi- individual performance, and J.C. Allen might contradict me because he's the resident Patriots guy in our staff. But, I mean, Tom Brady's performance with the Buccaneers in Super Bowl 50 was was probably his greatest Super Bowl um, outside of the comeback win in overtime against the Falcons. I'll give him that. But still, it comes down typically for the Patriots and other teams to field goals in the playoffs, in the Super Bowl, et cetera. The Bucs got to find a, a good kicker this year. Otherwise, it's just not going to be a good year in Tampa. Yeah, and it's and it's all again. I know some people kind of groan and, and cringe at the idea of look, you had this consistent thing, this consistently good thing in suck up, and he was able to make his kicks, and you moved on from that, and now you're trying to experiment again. What's going on with this, folks? It's all again. It's all what we've been saying. It's all about increasing the range of yep. being able to score points. One interesting thing, Scott, is that as far as I know, Ryan Suckup, he's not with another team right now, right? Correct. Yeah, he's not. And uh, he, Will Golston, um, you know, there are a couple other players, Akeem Hicks, uh, Logan Ryan. Uh, these are guys on the Bucks speed dial if there is an injury, if there's an emergency, right? Uh, it's, it's not uh, like they're bringing these guys back as they're older, a little long in the tooth. But uh, if there's an injury, if there's some ineffectiveness in certain positions, the Bucks would not be opposed to bringing back some familiar faces too. So James getting a lot of love here in the chat today. So this is our first time doing the, the, the Peter Report podcast, you and I. It's not going to be the last time, folks. We're going to see a lot more James Hill in the days, weeks, and months to come here on the Peter Report podcast. So appreciate you all tuning in. We have a super chat we'll get to, and then we'll talk about the cream sickles because – Cali Bucks 499 Super Chat. Appreciate it. I understand the nostalgia of the creamsicles, but not the obsession. They only remind me of bad ownership. Sorry. Well, that's true. Um, I think for a lot of older Buccaneer fans, and you know, I think of like the late great Mark Cook, for example, a gr- legendary Peter reporter, very good friend of mine, um, Luke Easterling, some people in the Tampa Bay area that wound up covering this team, but started off being fans of the team way, way back in the day, the old timers, right? I call them the the 76ers, not the Philadelphia 76ers, the 1976ers, the people that were here, the inauguration that saw some really bad football, whole bunch of of losses in a row until 1979 when Leroy Selman and James Wilder, not James Wilder, sorry, Ricky Bell, wrong bucks running back in orange, Ricky Bell, Doug Williams, John McKay had this franchise on the doorstep of the Super Bowl and lost at home to the Rams, I believe nine, nine to nothing at uh, at Tampa Bay stadium, at Tampa stadium. So uh, a couple of good years in the orange and white, but now it's more for nostalgia, you know, and, and uh, the Buccaneers had not always fared so well, James, in, in the, the throwback uniforms. Uh, I remember in 2009, Probably the best throwback game. Josh Freeman hooked up with Sammy Strouder in the back of the end zone 
on a fourth down to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And that was only one of the, the Bucks' three wins that season. That was Raheem Morris's inaugural season. And that was in a throwback game. Otherwise, most of the throwback games, just like the Ring of Honor games, they typically don't go well for the Buccaneers. They did last year with Bruce Arians in the Bucks' Ring of Honor in, in the, the win over the Panthers. But we'll see if, if, if the resurgence of the creamsicle uniforms now after a layoff, James, has a big difference. And that's going to be October 15th against the Lions. Yeah, it should be a really fun, um, you know, game. Obviously, you know, I know a lot of people are probably upset with, oh, they were one year away from having Tom Brady in a creamsicle jersey, right? Uh, you know, look, un unfortunately, just that's how the things fell. That's how the, the chips fell, unfortunately, for, for some people. But I know that, you know, hey, I, myself personally, Scott, I'm a big fan of the uniforms. I think they look yeah. pretty good. Um, I think that it is going to be very fun to see them in the old uniforms. Like you said, not the best history with the uniforms, not even just in terms of bringing them back, but like you said, just the original history with, with the Bucks from 76 to 96, I believe, was whenever they stopped using the uniforms. Yeah. Um, you know, there was some some good moments in there, but majority of it was pretty tough history there in terms of winning football games and being a productive franchise, let's say. But again, it's always a cool look. You even saw the old mascot i believe for the buccaneers that's right the um him and captain fear i believe i saw something on the buccaneers social media yeah. um with them doing like a little photo shoot and stuff like that it's just an all in all pretty cool thing to see really cool time against the lions to a team that you know the bucks have had some good history with i do remember i think somebody had talked about this in our community tab scott here on the youtube channel where yeah. they had said whenever they look at the creamsicle uniforms all they and especially against the lions all they can think of is barry sanders just demolishing that team right so uh you know definitely the hope is that that does not happen you know for for bucks fans this upcoming game here against right. the lions i believe that's october 15th correct week six yep absolutely and, and it makes sense too because i thought it was going to be one of these these throwback uh games to the nfc central opponents the bucks have two of them on their home schedule this year the bears which will be the home opener in week two and that was just too early. You can't you can't do the throwback games to start the season at home. That's got to be probably all white, which is their typical uh, vanilla looking combination. I don't like the all white look, James. I'm sorry. I don't. I know people say it looks clean, looks fresh, whatever, whatever. You know, teach their own. The team's colors are red and pewter, uh, not white. I mean, white's like a accent color, but they make it all white because they want the other team to suffer in the heat. And I get that. I get that to a degree, but. Uh, the Lions game made more sense. It's a little bit later. It's it's uh, I think it's the first game after the bye week, so it it makes uh, sense to to do it against the Lions. And as we had uh, one of the um, chat members here talked about, and I can't pull it up here because I forgot where it was, but uh, talking about how the Honolulu blue with the Lions against the creamsicle orange that'll be a good color combo for that game. So, yeah, so the, listen, speaking of orange, folks, if you have not tried some of, of Celsius's new flavors, uh, you need to get with the program. You, you, I'm sure you've probably heard about this, but they've got fantasy vibe. And to some people, the creamsicles are a fantasy vibe all to themselves. And the fantasy vibe, um, I had one the other day. I meant to save it for today's show as a prop, but I already drank it. Sorry. Uh, it's, it's the sparkling mandarin orange with marshmallow combinations very sweet if you like orange give the fantasy vibe a try 
Uh, it's a fantastic flavor. Um, some days, James, I don't know if you know this, but I, I need two Celsius. And today is that day. It's just a Monday. It's a busy day. I'm going to crack open. Here's, here's the sound effect right there. Cracking open. Uh, a lemon lime. That's the other flavor right there. One of the newer ones. Sparkling lemon lime. Absolutely fantastic in the afternoon because it's not very sweet. But uh, they've got some other flavors, too. The new Oasis vibe, which is the sparkling prickly pear and lime. That's one of my afternoon favorites as well. So whether it is getting you up in the morning with the energy that you need or the essential energy that you need to power through the afternoon at work uh, or maybe kickstart your workout, make Celsius your number one pick. That's what we do here at Peter Report. They're the official energy drink of Peter Report. Where can you find Celsius? Well, it's real. It's easy. All you have to do is go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator and type in your address and you'll find all of the convenience stores health and fitness stores, grocery stores, and bodegas where you can grab a can of Celsius. Then try a couple of flavors. Once you find the ones that you like, go to Amazon and subscribe in bulk and save some money with the subscribe and save package. They ship them right to your door. It makes it super convenient. So you never run out of Celsius. Celsius, the official energy drink of Pewter Reports. James, we are perilously close now to the... Um, the roll call, which we do on Mondays, and it's it's fantastic. So we're going to be putting up your um, addresses and your your um, locales of, of where you're watching the show from or listening to the show from. And um, and James, I want you to to kind of talk about. Uh, I'm going to give you a topic for roll call here. Put you on the spot a little bit. I want sure. you to opine on uh, on whether the Buccaneers are doing the right thing by having the orange jerseys. And the white pants, as they've done for every throwback game, or whether they should bring back this look right here, which is the orange pants and the white jerseys. So uh, get your, your thoughts prepared about that, and, and we'll see. Um, we'll get your take on it. And also, too, Buccaneer fans, we want to see your take in the chat, uh, whether there's some merit to maybe mix it up and and go with the, the look that Sam Weish, former Buccaneer coach, Help perpetuate, which is getting the orange pants uh, into the, the fold. Um, so we're about ready to do roll call. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Devin White, we we talked about this story today on Peter Report. Uh, he is expected to show up tomorrow for the mandatory minicamp, which is good news for the Buccaneers, for Devin White and for Buccaneer fans. Will he continue to be a hold in, though? Is he going to pra practice and participate, or is he going to just say, I'm here, don't find me? We'll have more on that story in just a minute. But right now, as we mentioned, it is time for Roll Call. Roll Call. Where are you at, Peter people? All right, James, take it away. Should the Buccaneers <clears throat> stick with the orange jersey, of course, that Bucko Bruce helmet, and the white pants, or should they go with this Solstad look right here, which is the orange pants and the white uh, top. Or should they go like they did with the pewter, full pewter? Should they go orange on orange for just a crazy color rush throwback look? Take it away, yeah. James. Yeah, well, firstly, no to the to the color rush <laughs> orange. No way. <laughs> I would not be a fan of that at all. I think that that would look absolutely terrible in my opinion. But... 
to kind of go back and, and kind of look at the two options there. Myself, personally, I'm more of a fan of the orange tops. I think whenever you really think back on the essence of historical bucks and, and seeing some of their highlights or maybe some of their lowlights in some situations, you do kind of associate it with the orange tops. I think in most situations, that's what me personally, I normally associate it with. I think that'd be a good combo. I think that orange, uh, you know, the, the orange coloring being the main part of what that uniform is, I, I think is just what it should all be about. I think that it would look really good with the white helmet too with the as you can see right there in our example photo just the orange top with the white helmet with the orange accents in the helmet it just it just looks good you know you have the white pants there with the strips of orange and red in there as well i just personally think it is a better look whenever you get into the orange pants with white top what we were seeing with that mike allstott it just looks like and i you know it just looks like an away uniform it just looks like something that yeah they wouldn't be wearing it at a, at a Bucks home game, right? You know, whenever you look at this is a home game, this is a home throwback creamsicle jersey game. I think that you just got to think about the orange tops with the helmet, with the white pants. That's kind of, in my opinion, like the essence of old school Buccaneers throwback uniforms, Scott. Yeah. You know, we, I'll put this, this uh, up here and we'll continue on with roll call here in just a second, but, uh, Jonathan has a really good kind of comment here. San Diego, uh, why not have two throwback games? One wearing the creamsicle top with the white bottom, the other wearing the white top with creamsicle bottoms. That's that's interesting. Kind of mix it up and maybe you know appeal to both uh, you know fans there. Um, I, I'll say this though: when, when you when it comes to the the throwback games, and, and I, I have to kind of get some clarification from the team. This counts as an alternate uniform. And the Buccaneers already have their all pewter look that they they break out for games. They they had only done that once last year, and they've done it a couple times in previous seasons. So I'm, you know, I don't know if they're shying away from the all pewter look. I think it's pretty cool, to be perfectly frank with you. Mm -hmm. But um, to me, it just seems like, you know, I'd rather see the all pewter look and just one creamsicle game, especially if it's going to take the place of some of those those um, uh, alternate uniform games that they're allowed to have, right? Yeah, I, I think that there's a, there's, it's, it'd be interesting, right? To have, you know, a throwback game and an all pewter game. I think that that just adds to the variety of the uniforms you get the whole year, right? Two throwback games, it is a very interesting idea, yeah. but I like more variety with the uniforms because you're going to have the aways, you're going to have the, the homes, the normal jerseys that you usually get. You're going to have, that all pewter look that they have, which I agree with you, with you, Scott. I think that that looks like a very sleek look, a very cool look in regards yeah. to their overall uniforms. And now you're going to have a throwback game in there as well. So you've already got a lot of stuff going on with your uniforms, four different uniforms that the Buccaneers can go out there with. That's not even including how they like to really mix and match a ton of different pants and tops combos that they have already done in uh, recent years, like you were saying, Scott. So, They've already got a lot going on with their uniforms. I think that it's already a pretty good variety. I know variety is the spice of life, but I think the Bucks already have a good amount of variety already. And we should see, you know, hopefully some really cool games coming up here with the all pewters, with the throwbacks, with the homes, the aways, and, and all of the above. Yep. Well, we've, we're done talking about kickers. and We're done talking about creamsicles. Let's talk some Tampa Bay Buccaneers, shall we? Yeah. Uh, let's get to today's topic, which is the storylines that we're going to be watching. 
There's our cool little graphic right there. And you see Devin White and Shaq Barrett there. And let's start with Devin White, shall we? Because he was in the news today. Devin White showed up Sunday for a voluntary photo session that the team had for promotional pictures and videos and things like that. You know, the little jumbotron uh, clips that they show on third downs. You know, come on, let's go. Let's go make some noise. And so it was good to see Devin White there participating in that. But the big question is whether he is going to show up on Tuesday and actually don the helmet and practice, or if he's just going to show up and do what's called a hold in. And I've talked with a couple of uh, members of the organization, and they're not quite sure what's going to happen right now. Uh, but they do expect Devin White to be here Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for the mandatory minicamp. But the hold in has kind of become a new phenomenon in the, in the league where players show up and say, I'm here, so technically you can't find me. I'm not holding out, but I'm just not going to practice. <laughs> so the NFL PA, NFL collective bargaining agreement, there's nothing in there about players uh, showing up but not practicing. You can't find a player if he, if he shows up but doesn't practice. And there's been a couple of big-name stars that held out last year. I should say held in because that's the term we're using. Mm -hmm. um, DK Metcalf. Uh, Debo Samuel, a couple of those guys. And uh, we'll have to see if Devin's going to be practicing tomorrow or not. And, and, and if, and if so, will we get a chance to talk to Devin about his failed trade request, something that he wanted uh, to deploy as a means to get a new contract. It didn't really work this off season. And we'll see if Devin white takes the field tomorrow or not, James. Yeah, and this is something I talked about earlier today here on the channel as well. Like, what's the future of Devin White with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in terms of the immediate and the long-term future, Scott? I think that it's definitely going to be an interesting situation as to what happens tomorrow because that can affect both the immediate and long-term futures of Devin White. Because, again, like you said, yeah. if he starts this hold-in and not necessarily any answers are brought up as to where he's at regarding – his stance with contract negotiations and what's going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's going to murky the waters a little bit. Now, now Scott, you may be able to help me with this. Uh, as far as I know, Devin White trade request hasn't been rescinded, right? Not to my knowledge. He did post, he's posted some things cryptically this off season on social media. And one of those things that he posted that was kind of cryptic and I don't have it pulled up right in front of me, but I'm going to paraphrase. It says, you know, sometimes, you know, you learn some lessons and, and it kind of alluded to the fact that maybe he's had to change his, his tune a little bit here. Devin White doesn't have any leverage whatsoever. He, uh, the team said they're not going to trade him. If he holds out, it's not going to do, do anything to get him more money uh, any quicker because he would still have to play on his fifth year option amount, which is $11.706 million champagne problems. As Larry Foote, the co-defensive coordinator says. Uh, so he had to pay. He had to play for that pay level next year, and it would not accrue a year towards free agency. So he's basically the property of the Buccaneers, and the only way he's going to get a new contract is to play this year, and and then hit free agency next year. And either the Buccaneers resign him, or they can franchise him, which they're not going to do, but it is an option. Or he could end up signing somewhere else. And um, my guess is, and this is early and we'll see, my guess is this probably has soured the Buccaneers a little bit on Devin White. 
with regards to having him for the long term. I, I've talked to some people in the organization. They haven't really come out and said that, but you kind of get the sense that, wow, he's pulling this stunt right now when most players play on their fifth-year options without holding out. And if he's all about the money, let's say the Buccaneers extend him and give him a four-year contract extension and make him the highest paid linebacker in the league, give him Roquan Smith money, you know, $20 million and, and, and one penny or whatever, just to make him number one. And then James, what happens two years down the road when somebody leapfrogs him and he's no longer the top dog, is he going to hold out again for more money? It kind of seems to be his MO a little bit. And for Devin White to not just hold out, but to go right for the trade request, it tells me, and, and I think the organization as well, listen, I want my money from anybody that's going to pay me. I don't care if it's in Tampa or anybody uh, and any other team. But yeah, Derek Brooks, when he held out in 2001, he didn't want to be traded. He wanted to be a Buccaneer. He wanted the Buccaneers to give him more money. There's a big difference. Yeah, a trade request is such a risky and dangerous thing to 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 put out there, right? In terms of negotiating tactics, you know, we we've seen that be successful for for some players. We've seen it not be successful for some players, and some teams just call the guys bluff and say, "All right, go get your money elsewhere," yeah. right? We we have seen situations like that before. But Scott, you know, I agree with you in in terms of of Devin White. You know, with the MO and, and I think he whenever Devin White was drafted, he said, you know, hey, one of my goals is to be the first one hundred million dollar linebacker in the league. Is that correct to say? Yeah, that's right. He said that right after his pro day to LSU before the draft, before he even became a Buccaneer. So he he put it out there for all of those NFL teams, the Buccaneers included, it, that he's all about the money. He wants the money and he wants to be paid and he wants to be paid now, according to Devin because of uh, his trade request this offseason back in March. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing here is, in, in I know that we've talked about it here at Pewter Report, and I've seen multiple other national outlets talk about it, and even, gosh, the Bucks coaching staff, I believe Bruce Aarons was quoted as saying yeah. this, just go earn your money. You know, you've got to go out there yeah. and play to earn your money. If Devin White goes out there this upcoming season, he cleans up some of the things that he's been struggling with the past couple of years. He's... Scott, he's number one in missed tackle percentage the past two years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. He still has some pass coverage issues, which we have very much highlighted here on Pewter Report. Sure. His pass rushing ability is still very good. I think yeah. that he, you know, you can argue that he's one of the most efficient, I guess I should say, consistently productive pass rushers that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have based on how Todd Bowles uses him in this defensive scheme. However, those guys who are getting all of that money, your Roquan Smith, your Fred Warner, those guys are all around good linebackers in terms yeah. of tackling ability, in terms of coverage ability, in terms of, you know, everything that they need to do as an inside linebacker, they can get the job done. Devin White right now is not in that grouping point blank. Simple as that. And to make a trade request and, you know, to have those types of things out there, potentially have a hold in, and who knows, we'll see. You know, he may be out there practicing tomorrow. That would be a very huge, interesting thing to pay attention to. And of course, we'll be covering that here on Pewter Report. But whenever you look at that trade request, it it does make sense as to why it would sour them a little bit. I think the Buccaneers have put a lot into Devin White, have shown a lot of support to Devin White as well. And they have not 
you know, as far as I know, they have not really had any indication to say, well, we're not going to pay Devin White. Right. Right. You know, it's just you got to go out there and earn your money. But right now, Devin White, you see some impatience there. You see a trade request there. Like you said, MO possibly to say, hey, I want my money. Doesn't matter who pays me it. I want to get paid the amount of money that I feel I am owed. Definitely muddies the waters, definitely complicates that situation. And yeah, could sour some things between the player and the organization as a whole. And I'll tell you what, we've been all over this at Peter Report since the rookie minicamp. Servassier Dennis has been outstanding for a rookie. Now, he's not the second coming of Levante David just yet or anything like that. But for a rookie linebacker, this kid gets it. He's very cerebral. He seems to be, he seems to have a knack to be in the right place at almost all of the right times. And whether it's his ability to blitz, which he showed at Pittsburgh as a teammate of Kalaja Kansi, the Bucks' first round pick, where he had 15 career sacks, including seven last year, or in coverage, where he had a, a pick six in his first rookie minicamp practice and uh, has had at least a, a nice pass break up here or there in the practices that we've seen. So we'll continue to keep an eye, but everybody I talk to at, uh, the team facility is raving about Servassier Dennis. And that's not just lip service because of the Devin White situation. That's the, hey, Devin White, it would behoove him to practice with the team because this guy's really making a very good impression. And Servassier Dennis, whether he's going to be a starter next year, not this year, but next year, whether it's replacing Devin White or replacing Levante David, who turns 34 in January, this guy is going to be a starter. Um, it, the arrow continues to point up for him. If he continues at this trajectory, that's what's going to happen. Um, he had a ton of success at Pittsburgh. He just seems to have the the football IQ, the savvy to make things happen. We'll see how he progresses when the pads come on. But this is a kid they're very excited about, James. And uh, it's it's going to behoove Devin White to to you know hurry up and, and put the pads on and and uh, and keep his starting job. Well, that's where you get into a situation, too, where, you know, hey, if things are souring and the Bucks say, well, Servassier Dennis is already doing a pretty good job, you know, that won't give them a lot of incentive to pay Devin White in the future if he isn't going to go out there and practice and showcase yeah. that he can be an all-around good linebacker. Because you have a young guy in Servassier Dennis, very surprised that he made it to the fifth round of this recent draft, Scott. I mean, everything that you see from Servassier coming yeah. into the Buccaneers organization is all good. He is yes. a leader. He is a good pass coverage guy, a solid tackler, a solid blitzer, a really good fit for this Todd Bowles defense. I think that he really does give you a lot of balanced linebacker play. Gosh, even in the one OTA that we saw together, Scott, yeah. he was making plays and doing a lot of really good things. I fully believe that's going to continue in this mandatory mini camp coming up here starting tomorrow and throughout the remainder of the training camp and preseason games. I think Servassier Dennis is going to be one of the top guys to pay attention to already because of the fact that that's just because he's worth paying attention to because of his ability that he has been showcasing in all of these roles and in all of these aspects coming out of college and what he has already done so far in the NFL, but at least in terms of practices, but also because of the Devin White situation. I yeah. mean, if Servasi just continues to look good and good and good and good may make a guy like Devin White more expendable than people right. may believe. 
Yeah. Um, and it, and it's, we're, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but uh, you know, I don't think this team is going to trade Devin white, but if they right. do, it might be at the trading deadline if they can right. get a good offer and we'll see how, how the whole season transpires and how Servasia Dennis you know, looks and, and if he's playing, you know, some during the, the regular season, what Devin White's attitude is, how his level of play is, et cetera. It's going to be a fascinating position to watch that inside linebacker position. Another fascinating position to watch the center position, Ryan Jensen. We saw Ryan Jensen at Bucks OTAs last Tuesday for the first time. Now he's been around the facility this off season, but showed up uh, wearing a brace. You don't see it in that picture, but uh, did have a knee brace on and uh, we'll have to see whether he, ends up practicing or not this week. He was asked about it. Uh, Todd Bowles was asked about it and wasn't exactly clear whether it was a definitive that he's going to play or not. He said, we'll see. Uh, but James, if Ryan Jensen doesn't participate in the OTAs, if, if he's a bystander, what does that say about his readiness for training camp? Now he'll have an extra six weeks to prepare for training camp, but we did see this guy play, although it wasn't very well, to be honest. Mm, and I'm yeah. not trying to criticize Big Red. He gave sure. it a go, but this was not 100% Ryan Jensen we saw against the Cowboys in the playoff game. No, and and you just talked about it too. What does this mean for the readiness of Ryan Jensen come training camp and you know possibly in the regular season as well? I think a lot of people had thought, and there was so much i want to say vagueness is one word i could use but like there was just so much unclear answers regarding ryan jensen's injuries and the specifics of it scott for a long time right yeah yeah and you know i mean he's he's a pro bowl caliber player when he's healthy but at age 32 now and you see that that knee brace right there in that picture a big bulky left knee brace uh does the team feel comfortable enough to let him practice. Uh, even in OTAs, we've seen some players go to the ground. Sometimes that happens. It's it's supposed to be non-contact, but at the same time, you do have a little bit of pushing and shoving there. You have offensive linemen, you know, that are positioning themselves in a hole and all of a sudden the running back will trip and fall and land on a, a lineman and take out a defensive lineman, et cetera. It's, it's football, right? Messy things happen sometimes. Training camp is going to be a little bit more brutal in terms of the contact, et cetera. Ryan Jensen got hurt in the second day of training camp last year when there, were, there weren't any full pads. So injuries can happen at any, any time. But this is certainly something that bears watching, and we'll have the latest on Ryan Jensen's situation tomorrow at Bucks minicamp. That's one, one of those storylines that we're going to watch, James. Yeah, and and like you said, I think that the Bucks have to be careful regarding this, right? Because – they already had a season without Ryan Jensen, you know, last year, and things were definitely tough for that offensive line. They struggled without Ryan Jensen. I think that if I had to give a guess as to what the organization would do, I imagine they, they're going to give Ryan Jensen as much of a break as they can and rest him up as much as they can in terms of workouts and making sure that he is fully ready to go because you have a new quarterback coming in now with Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, regardless of who it is, it's going to be a new starting quarterback. You need your stalwart center, your guy who has been there for a lot of times, who can be the general of that offensive line in Jensen to be there to help out both of those quarterbacks and build up that chemistry between the offensive line and the quarterbacks and be that bridge, so to speak, Scott. So I think it's definitely huge that they take their time to not 
even potentially run the risk of re-aggravating any types of those significant knee injuries that Jensen yeah. had gotten again, coming in at the, or, you know, being at the age of 32, you know, he's getting a little bit up there where it's, it's going to take longer to recover from those types of injuries, those long-term types of injuries. So I think it would definitely benefit the Buccaneers to be as cautious with this situation as possible and give Ryan Jensen as much rest as he would need. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's a it's going to be a bit of a risk, a bit of a gamble uh, with with Ryan Jensen this year. And uh, folks, if you want to do a little bit of, of risking and gambling, uh, the place to do it is at my bookie, of course, the official online gaming partner of Pewter Report, where you can get up to one thousand dollars in your first deposit bonus by visiting mybookie.ag and using the promo code Pewter. Major League Baseball is in full swing. NHL playoffs uh, are coming to a close with the Stanley Cup Finals. And the same can be said in basketball with the NBA Finals. I'm looking for uh, my newly adopted Denver Nuggets to close out that series tonight at home. Go Nuggets. Uh, I'm a big Nikola uh, Nikola Jokic and uh, Jamal Murray fan. I am jumped on that bandwagon after my time out there in Denver. So whether it's tonight's game, the Finals, we're – the Heat will have to win to stay alive or the Nuggets will close it out. Or if it's the NHL Stanley Cup Finals or baseball or tons of UFC fights all summer long, make my bookie the place to go for your online gaming uh, needs. And, and whether it's their their sports book, whether it is their online casino, folks, do me a favor. Go to mybookie.ag and sign up using the promo code Pewter. Get up to $1,000 in your first deposit bonus. So if you deposit $500, let's say, and you're a first-time depositor, they're going to match that and give you $500. That's free money, folks. It doesn't get any better than that. You can do that all the way up to $1,000. So football season's coming. It's around the corner. They already have a couple of prop bets up. If you want to bet on the Buccaneers winning the NFC South, I think the current over-under for the Bucs is 6.5. I'm taking the over. Go to mybookie.ag and place your bets. But first, Sign up and use that promo code Pewter when you do to get up to $1,000 off your first deposit bonus. Uh, as we continue on here, James, and uh, we, we also want our viewers and listeners uh, out there to make sure that you're subscribing to Pewter Report TV, which is our YouTube channel. We're over 10,700 now. We're getting perilously close to 11,000. James has got some great content up, Matt Matera as well. I've got the Bucks mailbag uh, video version coming later today for today's Bucks mailbag. The last one was well received last week. So tons of great content. We'll have a plenty of content on our social media platforms, including Peter Report TV throughout the Bucks mandatory minicamp starting tomorrow. So be sure you stay tuned for that and make sure that you like all of our videos too. When you subscribe, that helps us grow the Peter Report TV uh, subscriber base, but when you click the like button on all of those videos, what it does is it tells YouTube, hey, these are cool videos. This is great content. And it puts our content in, form, uh, in front of more awesome pewter people like yourselves. So James, another thing we're going to be looking at tomorrow, aside from Devin White and Ryan Jensen, is we're going to continue to keep an eye on this quarterback competition, right? Now, the interesting thing is, is we've only had Tuesdays to watch the OTAs. Now we're going to have three straight days to watch Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask and see how they 
handle the day to day to day matchups. The the coaches, the scouts, they've seen all this now because the Buccaneers have consecutive OTAs that we're not privy to seeing. We're only allowed to watch one per week, but the mandatory mini camp will be there all three days, and we'll get a chance to see not just Baker Mayfield get some starts like we already have, but Kyle Trask will get a start or two, I'm sure, during uh, this week's action. Yeah, should be a very interesting competition. It already has been an interesting competition to kind of keep tabs on and see. We've seen some overreactions in one way with the overthrows in some situations. I know we had talked about that here on the Pewter Report podcast already regarding some overreactions to some of those overthrows that have been made by both quarterbacks. Look, folks, at the end of the day, it does happen. I mean, it does. It happens to every single quarterback ever throughout the history of time. Um, And it's going to happen here. But what's going to be so interesting, Scott, is like you said, multiple starts potentially for both guys with different types of matchups. Who's going to string together consistency while we're watching? I know we're both going to be there all three days. Which guy is going to really set themselves apart? Is it going to be Baker Mayfield really setting himself apart? Is it going to be Kyle Trask? Are they still going to be really even neck and neck types of situations going in there? That's going to be really worth paying attention to with all the different weapons that are going to be out there all the different wide receivers that they're going to have at their disposal, tight ends, running backs, a lot of different types of throws that they're going to have to make, still trying to install a new offense with Dave Canales' offense. There's going to be a lot that goes into this quarterback competition, and it should be even more intriguing now that we are going to get three straight days of paying attention to these guys. Expect plenty of content about this quarterback competition in the next three days here at Pewter Report TV, here on YouTube, and across all of our social medias as well, because... Man, oh, man, it should be a very intriguing battle to watch, Scott. Agreed. Another um, storyline we're going to follow, and this one has a real sense of tragedy uh, associated to it, unfortunately. But Shaq Barrett, you know, he's he's not cleared yet to practice, so we don't expect him to be out there practicing. He's If he's going to be at, at the mandatory minicamp, um, it's either going to be outside standing there as a bystander watching with the jersey on but no helmet uh, or he's going to be inside doing some physical therapy and i'm not sure if if shack will be made available to the media but it would be good to get an update from from him uh, about his rehab his recovery the last time we kind of talked about this or last time we heard about it he was actually on the loose cannons podcast where he said that he was uh going to be uh the goal was going to be have him be ready by the start of training camp. That's where he was looking to be uh, back in action is, uh, is, is hopefully by the start of training camp, uh, certainly playing in the first week of the season. And we'll see if, if he is closer to one goal as opposed to the other. I think that the, the team is hopeful that he'll take part in training camp. We saw that with Chris Godwin coming off of a sprain off of a, a torn uh, ACL injury. But with Shaq, that torn Achilles, a little bit older, he might not be able to participate in training camp until the latter part of, of August. And we'll just have to see. And, of course, uh, losing his his precious daughter uh, to a tragic um, drowning accident in his pool is, is still weighing on him. You see the outpouring of love on his social media channels when he posts pictures of his uh, little baby girl. And um, very sad, tragic events um, happening to, to Shaq this offseason. But from a football standpoint, 
he wants to get back out there. He wants to be healthy and join his his brothers uh, in uh, in battle this this fall. And we'll try to get a, a, an idea of where his recovery stands because the Bucks are counting on him to really come through with some serious pass rush this year. He didn't have a great year last year prior to tearing that ACL. I'm sorry, pr- prior to tearing his Achilles against the Ravens on Thursday night. And we'll see how his recovery is going, James. Yeah, just again, you know, Shaq Barrett's been through a lot recently in the past calendar year, just obviously with the injury and then, of course, the heartbreaking situation with him losing his his beautiful child. Just, you know, it's been a lot, you know, to deal with for Shaq Barrett. But as you said, um, you know, from a football standpoint, him getting as healthy as possible is the goal, right? Yeah. I imagine the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be, again, very cautious with that situation, much like what they will probably do with Ryan Jensen, because Shaq Barrett is expectedly going to have a pretty big role on this defense moving forward. He still is one of the top pass rushers on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he is going to need to generate a lot of pass rush. The Buccaneers definitely need him to be that top guy that he can be for this team. And, you know, he's, he's also got to lead some young guys in that room as well. Scott, he, you have Anthony Nelson there who the team re-signed to a pretty decent deal. You've got Joe Tryon Shawinka, who's coming into a very pivotal year this upcoming season. You have Kalaja Kansi, who the team has brought in as well. Yaya Diaby. Um, their seventh round selection that they, Jose Martinez, their seventh round selection that they had taken as well. There's Rodriguez. Thank you. There's a lot of young guys in that room that Shaq Barrett can can lead by example, can just grow those guys, teach those guys up to really overall have a pretty young, productive, efficient group of pass rushers at their disposal. So Shaq Barrett is definitely going to have a, a pretty big role in this upcoming season, not just as a player, but also as a mentor and just really a glue guy for that edge rushing room. Yeah, and the team did not extend his contract this year when they could have because they need some salary cap room, but they're not sure at age 31, and he'll be 31 later this year in November, if he still has it and if he's going to be able to come back from his Achilles injury and be that $18 million player or not. And so they don't want to push dead cap money uh, in any more than they have to into, into further years. So really the only guy that they can extend and Peter report kind of broke the news uh, on this and we haven't seen it quite yet, but it's coming. Mike Evans will get a contract extension this summer. They have to do that to sign their three remaining draft picks. Talking about Kalaja Kansi, Cody Malk and Yaya Diaby. Yaya Diaby. Uh, Because the players that they've signed, the other five draft picks, they fall under that that top 51 salary where they don't really count against the cap yet in the offseason. Only the top 51 salaries of your 90 Buccaneers count against the team's salary cap. But those players, because they're drafted higher, will have higher rookie salaries. And so that's why they'll need Mike Evans to extend him to get some of that that salary cap room, they can kind of create around $10 million or so, nine to $10 million by, by making that, that move that will come at some point in time this summer. Will they start contract extension talks this week? We'll have to see. Uh, don't expect Jason like to comment on that, but it's coming. It has to. 
And for Mike Evans, he wants to retire as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. The organization wants the same thing. And it just, it makes sense. It's just a matter of when, right, James? Yeah. And I think that this is something, Scott, that gosh, the Bucs would have done anyway, even if they didn't need salary cap. I think that, like you said, having Mike Evans here is something that the organization wants. It's something that Mike Evans wants. One of the ultimate team guys that you will see. Right. And we, we even talked about or We even had a couple of videos in the past couple of days from the Mike Evans uh, family foundation or from the Evans family foundation, shout out to JC Allen for getting some of the footage on that yeah. regarding Mike Evans and just kind of all the different things that he's been doing here in Tampa, in the community and building trust with his quarterbacks and thoughts on the new offense and all these different types of things that have been going on. You know, Mike Evans, again, is a guy that the Buccaneers want to keep around Scott, much like what you said, it's going to free up a little bit of salary cap as well to where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can sign some draft picks, have a little bit left over just in case there's some injuries or anything along those lines. So it'll definitely help out a lot. And it'll also ensure that the Buccaneers keep, I would say probably the most impactful, I guess I should say the, the best in, you know, in terms of offensive skill position players they've had in franchise history. <laughs> Long lost laser. Give Evans a five-year, $100 million contract with the name Devin White written with a line through it. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, no, here's what's going to happen. I, I think you're going to see the, the Buccaneers give Mike Evans, the Chris Godwin deal, $20 million per year maybe a dollar or two more. Evans is not about the money, but this is a respect thing. And I think that they want to um, make those two guys, you know, Evans is one, a Godwin one B that's, that's how they are in this organization. I, I think this team is probably going to shoot for that number. That's a very fair number for Mike Evans still producing thousand yard seasons. The touchdown never has to come back up. It fell from, from 14 down to six last year, the team probably wants at eight, 10, 12. He's capable of getting double digits. So uh, I'm sure Mike Evans is is uh, frothing at the mouth when he hears that they're going to be throwing more fade passes to him in the in the, the end zone and the red zone because that's where he has thrived for sure. Uh, last bit of storyline that we're going to take a look at here. We know Rashad White is going to be the number one guy in Tampa, at least to start with at the running back spot. But Chase Edmonds, we saw him practice a little bit last week, and I'm sure we'll get a, a, a healthier dose of a healthier Chase Edmonds this week during mandatory minicamp. Can he hold off Keyshawn Vaughn, who's entering a contract year? Edmonds is on a one-year deal. We'll see if, if either one of these guys uh, can make enough of an impression to maybe start training camp as the number two back. Uh, this is a long way from being decided, of course. And then Sean Tucker undrafted free agent at Syracuse. James, we haven't been able to see him yet. He's got a heart condition that the team uh, is expecting him to be cleared medically, hopefully by training camp or in training camp, but it's not a life-threatening condition. It's a condition that, that, that he's making some progress in. It was first detected at the combine, why he went undrafted, but the Bucks are very, very excited about him. And they feel if he can participate in training camp, get the system down and shine in the preseason, this guy might end up being the number two running back when it's all said and done. Yeah, what an interesting scenario going on right now regarding the number two running back spot, right? The team moved on from Leonard Fournette. Rashad White was put into that number one role, and we'll see how he does. There's definitely a lot of positive momentum in his favor, but you have a lot of different guys in that potential number two spot that 
is really going to make for a long competition. I think, I think you have Chase Edmonds there. He's been a veteran. He's been around the league a little bit already with some different teams with, you know, the Arizona Cardinals was where he really made a name for himself in terms of, of making the most with his, with his opportunities. I believe he was with the Miami dolphins last year. Scott, is that yes, correct? Correct. Right. So he didn't necessarily get a ton of playing time there, did some things here and there, but nothing too, too much going on. And now he's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on what is essentially a prove it deal, Scott. Yep. And, you know, we'll see how Edmonds does if he showcases abilities and efficiency that we saw when he was with the Arizona Cardinals. The Bucks have themselves a pretty good number two running back on their side, but it's going to be all about how he's going to be able to show up on this prove it deal. And really again, you know, quite literally have to prove that he does deserve that number two spot. Keyshawn yep. Vaughn's a very interesting situation because, you know, again, former third round pick of the bucks just hasn't been used a lot since he's right. been drafted by the team to the point where you really got to question, you know, what was going on with that pick? Because, He's been inactive for handfuls of games in the past couple of seasons. He hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities whenever it was Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette or whenever it was Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. Keyshawn Vaughn's just kind of been that guy who's just been either a third back, a fourth back. You're right. It's going to get a training camp. I mean, when the pads come on, the preseason games, much like the quarterback spot, this backup running back job will get settled uh, for sure. And we're going to figure out tomorrow if Devin White is going to be practicing or not. And we'll see if that gets settled. And we'll have that tomorrow at four o'clock on the next edition of the Peter Report podcast. Make sure that you are joining us on PeterReport.com, the mothership for the best Bucks coverage. We'll have wall-to-wall Bucks mandatory minicamp coverage here on Peter Report TV, which is our YouTube channel, and on PeterReport.com. And make sure you follow us on social media at Twitter, at Instagram, and uh, at Facebook at Peter Report. All three of those at Peter Report. And we'll be back tomorrow at four o'clock for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. James, it was a pleasure having you on today. Our first uh, one-two punch here on the Peter Report podcast won't be the last one. Peter people, we appreciate you all very much. Thanks for the super chat, for your great comments today, and for participating in Roll Call. We saw uh, a bunch of international Buccaneer fans, which is always fun, plus a lot of Floridians and folks from around the country. So for James Hill, I'm Scott Reynolds saying, We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast.